Welcome to a weekly look at all things high school sports around the South Plains. Powered by the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. Here's the Lone Star Varsity Podcast. Hello and welcome into the Lone Star Varsity Podcast. I'm Mike Graham, joined by Carlos Silva, an old friend and now a new friend on the high school beat for the remainder of this academic year. Absolutely, man. Like I said, we're uh, obviously at a loss for words for uh, Brian. Obviously, uh, we'd like him to stay, but he decided to do some new adventures. Hopefully, uh, good luck to him, as you had mentioned in the previous podcast. But as uh, we all know, the season goes on, and there's plenty of things to go on this uh, weekend as you kind of started off with some... uh, Playoff baseball, you also got some playoff softball, and then we've got some other things that we'll chat about as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. We're in the midst of uh, state championships for uh, the spring sports as we record this. Boys golf has completed. Girls golf is coming up. Boys and girls tennis is coming up. Um, but I think what, what's going to have people's attention locally this week is the, uh, the baseball and softball playoffs. We've got a really cool series going on between Mm. Coronado and Amarillo High. These are two very good teams, too. And they're taking their show down to uh, Texas Tech's Rip Griffin Center. Uh, And it should be a really good one. This is a rematch of last year's uh, regional quarterfinal series, which Amarillo High won en route to um, moving on to the fourth round before getting knocked out by the defending, at the time, defending state champion and and once again the Region 1 champion. Grapevine. So there's some good history here. And the, the two games that Coronado and Amarillo High played against each other during the regular season were incredible games. I mean, Coronado in both team season opener hangs on for a 1-0 win, which was a big deal because I think most people thought that it was Amarillo's turn to get out of this region. And then about a week later on February 27th, Amarillo High came to Coronado and won a 5-4 game. Uh, And a lot has changed since then. And for me and for Brian, and I'm sure for you too, we thought Coronado had a chance to be good, but we didn't think that they were going to win District 4 5A in the fashion they did, especially when you looked a little bit south in, in the Lubbock Cooper team with its three Division One uh, signees on it. Well, just a couple things just so we can kind of recap. Of course, this is going to be a Class 5A regional quarterfinal series. It'll start this weekend. Of course, as you mentioned, it's going to be at the old uh, Dan Law Field at Rip Griffin Park. I know you were kind of thinking LCU, the Rip Griffin Center, but it's the good old Dan Law Field, the Rip and all that. And, of course, that first game on Friday will be at 7 p.m. And then game two will be played at 3 p.m. Saturday with the third game, if necessary, going 30 minutes afterwards. But just to go back to that question you asked, did we think Lubbock uh, – pardon me, Lubbock Cooper – Coronado could be this good. I mean, it's tough because I remember last year covering them when they had a kid named Noah Seifert who's now at Oklahoma State. That kid was just money. I mean, he was good. Southpaw, left-handed pitcher for those that aren't aware of that terminology in baseball, but it's just you lose so much talent. You had a bunch of really, really good arms from last year, but all of a sudden, and I know you kind of mentioned it when baseball started, they had some young, talented guys, and if they could get going offensively, they'd be in a good position. And then, of course, so we kind of mentioned that story a little bit uh, during the season, but when you got a guy in Gary Hicks who gets a 600th win, the guy knows how to find uh, good positions to put his players in, and he's certainly done that with a bunch of guys, especially Caden Hensley. Absolutely. Caden Hensley has been really strong. This guy batting um – 333 with a uh, 426 on base percentage and, and really the pitching kind of surprised too. You've got Gary Franco who's seven and one. Yep. Joseph Randall who pitched against Amarillo both times. He's eight and two uh, with uh, 16 earned runs over um, 65 innings pitched. Yep. So <laughs> it's, this could be a good one. It's funny Gary Hicks when I was interviewing him earlier in the week said that Amarillo probably has better pitching depth. Yeah. Uh, but 
he also said it's really just going to come down to who executes the best like mm-hmm. every high school baseball series ever. It's going to be who makes the most of their opportunities. And in a high school game, unless you're facing like Clayton Kershaw or something, you're going to get some opportunities to break through. You have to capitalize on them. Well, not only that, but then you have this other aspect that I know you've written about before during the baseball season, but the pitch count limit. I mean, if it gets to a point where, yeah, you're rolling, but then uh, the other team's kind of getting you into big pitch counts, you're getting up in the 90s, 100s, you're wondering if you want to save them for maybe I don't know an inning or two later on in the series because once you get that hundred mark, you've basically lost them for the series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have one ten. One ten's the magic number, and uh, it, it's it's always interesting to see how people play with it, kind of like the NL and when you're going to pull your pitchers. Yep. It's 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 I guess it's not similar at all to that, but it, yep. it's it's the same kind of strategy thing. You'll see that time to time because you know you get to game three and really you've you've got I mean you played this whole series this whole season where you play Tuesday and Friday. You really only need two high-caliber starting pitchers and then maybe a reliever at the very end of the game. And you get to the postseason, play three games back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. It always gets interesting in the third game, and then uh, offensive numbers seem to skyrocket when you get to that third game. Well, certainly they should be a fun one. Uh, fortunately, we'll be there uh, in, in spirit, so to speak. Lee Passmore from the Amarillo Globe News will be there on Friday and Saturday. And then, of course, we'll have our friend Jeff Tunnell at a very big – regional uh, final softball game we'll get into softball a little bit but i know there were some other matchups you want to talk about in baseball just in terms of some of the big time games of course this one's a little bit bigger because you got it in class 5a but there are certainly some teams that are showing uh, as i mentioned to you before once this baseball season starts sometimes it starts off slow and then you kind of see that there are some teams that really kind of reach that cream of the crop and they have a chance to get to the state title game mm-hmm. now no doubt uh I mean, in, in a war in two-way, I think, is uh, Post versus New Deal. Oh, These absolutely. These games going to be at Lubbock Christian University. These are both two lost teams with yes. Post dropping one of three playoff games last week. Uh, the, this series will be 4 p.m. Friday. Mm-hmm. Uh, game two will be 30 minutes after that. And then, if necessary, there will be a noon game Saturday, which will be the rubber match. All of those games, once again, at Lubbock Christian University. So, really excited about that one. I think Abernathy versus Groover has some potential. Bryson Daly, really cool story about him. He played uh, shortstop for Abernathy in their advancement last week, then went down and uh, bronzed in the discus a couple yep. hours later. Um, he's batting 575 this season. Too. It's not too bad either. <laughs> it's not bad at all. Shallow Water is going up against Reagan County. Shallow Water 28-2-3, kind of like post drop there. Yep. Second game of the entire season last week, Reagan County. 25 and 5. Very good baseball school. I remember covering them uh, good old Big Lake uh, when I was there at San Angelo and of course they always have a really good baseball team so that should be a real fun one for those that are kind of looking for not necessarily a pitching duel but it's going to be a game where it's going to be a 1 to 2 run game each time you play those just because Reagan County always has some pretty good pitchers. Obviously when you get to the lower uh, levels you're just looking for a guy that can either give you a good breaking ball or a really good fastball command and that's what Reagan County has and I feel like Shallwater has that too going into this season mm-hmm. absolutely absolutely and uh, Hayden Vanderos continues to make a absolutely name for himself I mean this guy's batting seems like four for five every single game mm-hmm. uh, very much in our uh, running for baseball player of the year right now mm-hmm. and then um, I thought this one was kind of funny you've got Idaloo versus Wall. And yep. really, like on the girls' side, I mean, these two st- schools seem to run into each other. In Regional every, finals in, 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 in fact, basketball, man. <laughs> yeah, and in, in, in fact, they ran into each other in the softball postseason yep. uh, a week ago, and now you've got the uh, the boys getting after it. And, and um, you know, Idaloo's been turning it around lately. You know, they, yep. kind of, they kind of got off to a rocky start, but they're 17-14-1. Of course, Wall is 26-5-1. So I'd say that uh, the uh, Wildcats are probably the dog in that one. 
but they've been playing pretty well as of late, obviously, to advance to the third round. I mean, the big thing they'll have to do is just make sure that they keep the errors down because Wall will uh, have a very good approach at the batting lineup. I know uh, just covering them a couple years uh, while I was in San Angelo, Jason Sneers, who's still the baseball coach there, the one thing he preaches to his team is be aggressive at the base, on the bases, and then, of course, be aggressive when you get up to bat. So if you give them any mistake pitch, they will capitalize on it. And the big thing is if they do, try and minimize that damage because if not, those crooked numbers can get from four to seven. And if that happens, you're going to be in big trouble. And they've got four really good softball series as yep. well. Coronado. Uh, while it didn't win its 23rd consecutive district championship, it has managed to outlast Lovett Cooper, which beat it uh, for the in the district standings. It's going up against uh, Fort Worth VR Eaton, taking a little trip to Abilene Christian University. Those mm-hmm. these games um, to prevent them from missing school. Game one will be played 5:30 p.m. Thursday. I guess they'll miss school a little bit that day, but they'll yep. get back Friday. Uh, come back for game two, 4 p.m. Saturday, and game three will be 30 minutes after game two. Uh, Coronado's been rolling as of lately. I mean, this is a team that uh, it only I mean, it only dropped two games in district. Yeah, it's a young team, too, which is surprising because you had so many seniors last year. Not only that, but then you lost. I mean, I, I, would, I would be uh, remiss to say a legendary coach in J.J. Johnson who won a district title every year he's been there. I know it's been kind of talked about ad nauseum. Yes, it hurts to not win that 23rd straight one, but the fact that they're making a deep playoff push, I think that's – I don't know how you kind of manage how to say this, but certainly uh, you would like to have that as a kind of feather in your cap, but obviously a deep postseason run and getting that final win of the season, I think that's uh, certainly something that all the players are looking forward to. Yep, and, and win or lose, Nancy Sawyers has done a fine job. In her first year. J.J. Johnson. Absolutely. No doubt about it. Here's a good one. You know, you've got the powerhouse Albany. Seems to be good at every single sport. Yep. This team, 20-4, and four, going against Rawls, 21-6-1. and one, Looked fantastic. Uh, in the game that I got to see them play post. And post was a team I think this newsroom had high expectations for. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Of course, Rawls has that tradition, and, and tradition won out in, in the bi-district round. Here they are in the regional semifinal round. All these games are going to be at Snyder. It seems like Lubbock Christian and Snyder are picking up a lot of games as of late. Hey, you know what? When you're in the middle of two uh, big towns, you're always going to get those. And speaking of uh, legendary coaches, obviously Brianna Guerrero in her first year with mm-hmm. Rawls, she's keeping the tradition going, as you kind of mentioned. I know sometimes everyone talks about, well, what's going to happen when you lose a coach of that stature? Well, tradition never graduates, and that's certainly true for Coronado and Rawls this year. Helps when Rawls also has a picture like Kenley Yoakum. I think she, yes. hasn't, she hasn't allowed 10 runs through the postseason just yet. New Deal versus Petrolia. I called this the perfect series because neither team has dropped a playoff mm-hmm. game yet. New Deal kind of was hovering around 500 in the, you know, the mid- middle of the season. Really turned it around. They're 14-7. and seven. They've got a really good pitcher, uh, like, like most of these schools. I mean, it seems like the pitcher plays every single day. Pretty much. We talked about that last week on the show, just kind of while there's a pitch count for boys. Isn't it kind of crazy that girls can go out and perhaps throw more than 350 pitches over three games? Well, I mean, it's just that underhand motion everyone always talks about. It doesn't put as much stress on the shoulder. But the other thing, too, is when you get into a motion or you get into a rhythm, you can just see why these girls pitch so much because you can see their control. You can see them 
get confidence. And the more you pitch them, the more confidence they're going to get, the more you kind of see them maybe even improve their pitching. And I know you mentioned it right there. I mean, obviously, they've got a good pitcher at New Deal that is really kind of uh, – I, I want to say that's what really turned it around is their pitching because obviously the offense can come and go. But if you've got a pitcher that is giving up like – I want to say – I can't remember what the uh, stat was that you mentioned with New Deal, but I want to say giving up one or two runs a game, that's going to put you in a good position to win every time. Mm-hmm. And then a game that we'll be covering, Board Encounter versus Hermley, all these games. Uh, well, game one is uh, 7 p.m. Thursday, Lubbock Cooper High School. Yep. Then they'll make the transition game to 11 a.m. Saturday, Lubbock Christian University. And they've laid out that game three will begin at 1 p.m. instead of like the 30-minute yeah. layover thing. Yeah, they just already but assumed it's going to happen. Same thing in essence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and but, of course, our friend Jeff Tanell will be there covering it. So. Mm-hmm. And, and Borden County, 23-3, uh, Hermley 11-5. These two teams have played before Borden County won the game. And we'll see what happens because Borden County, I know everyone kind of sleeps on them a little bit, but they're that team where you don't really talk about them for a little bit. Then once the postseason happens, it's like, oh, they're the Coyotes or they're the Lady Coyotes, especially when you talk about baseball, football. Football, they're a powerhouse at this point, especially with Trey Ritchie at the helm. And, of course, now you've got Borden County now in softball and potentially baseball looking at a state return. Well, what's impressive about about Borden County, look at their 23-3 and record. They play in district uh, – uh, 4-2-A and mm-hmm. I mean it's a 2-A district yep. I mean the schools that they're paired with are much bigger than them and they kind of have a free ride into the playoffs but mm-hmm. Uh, 23 and three. Uh, you know they didn't need that free ride into the playoffs. Can, can scoff at the 23, the 23 wins because sometimes you see some teams that only have 15 or so because obviously you start a little bit later because you have so many sports being played at once. But when you see it, you played 23 games. That shows that they played some double headers or maybe they played some triple, not not necessarily triple headers, but just playing so many games just to kind of get at least your your wind under you, get your batting stance correct, or get something going. And certainly something's been going well as they've gotten to the regional finals. Our next most pressing matter is the tennis championships, which be which begin Thursday and continue on into Friday. Those will be held by Texas A&M down in College Station. We've got some really interesting matchups. Um, I think everyone's looking forward to a um, KT Kaufman, Cody mm-hmm. Baker from Lubbock High matchup with Quentin Sharpenberg and Indy Exton. They faced off five times this year, mm-hmm. and. Uh, the Lubbock High team has a 3-2 to two advantage, but last time they met was in the regional championship. And uh, Sharpenberg and Exton, they won in two sets. Yeah, which is funny because it was almost like that last year. They were battling all the way to that regional championship. Obviously, one got the best of the other, but the other one was able to somehow find their way in with the with the uh, playback. And here we are again as they get to that state level. We'll see what they're able to do. And uh, obviously, the tennis is good here in uh Lubbock, I know that's one thing that may not be talked about a lot, but certainly there are some very good tennis teams. I know last year when I was covering it, I want to say uh, about 90 or 85% of our teams were ranked in the top, I want to say 20 of the of the state. So certainly some good tennis being played by Lubbock High, Monterey, uh, Coronado as well, as you just mentioned with the Axton and Scharfenberg. And then the coaches have been good too, John, John uh, King at Lubbock High. And then, of course, uh, Coach Denham over there at uh, Coronado as well. Certainly some really good teams going out there. Fortunately, you won't be able to go out to College Station. I've had to go there a couple times with some rain delays. That's something we're joking about is you didn't get a rain delay at track, and you're very fortunate. <laughs> that's that's right. Uh, yeah, I'll be in Seattle this weekend, which is which is why coverage is going to be a little – thin uh but we're i mean we're we're excited we'll make it work man we will make it work you enjoy your time off but have enough uh but um it's it's not just those two boys doubles teams taylor barnhill from monterey will be Mm -hmm. down there and olden sent one too kia sandoval Mm -hmm. who is ranked 
76 in the state in yep. uh, singles, and uh, she's only 16 years old, just a junior. And I know last year, Olton had, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, and I apologize, but I know they had someone that uh, just kind of really popped out of nowhere, too. It was like, oh, here's the, this Olton kid, and he ended up winning the singles singles play in state. I want to say it was their first uh, title winner in a couple years, so certainly a good uh, precedent there for for the teams over there with the Mustangs. But like you said, just some good play all around during state, during the playoffs. Obviously, things are kind of ending to to a certain degree just because obviously the school year is ending but doesn't mean that the fun is uh ending as well for some of these teams and players and then girls golf all these uh tournaments are held at different courses yes kind of the austin uh metropolis uh we're going to be pretty busy because we've got lovett cooper with the team going Mm -hmm. down there seminole's got a team and shallow water's got a team so you've got your 5a your 4a and your 3a so here's my thing because i know you've covered a couple of them and i know i told you uh at the end of the day, we do have some good golf. We do have some good tennis. You were able to see a couple of the of the golf performances by Seminole and Lubbock Cooper. What did you see out of Seminole that you kind of like? And then we'll kind of go to 5A after that with Lubbock Cooper. Yeah, didn't actually cover Lubbock Cooper. That was uh, that's right. On that that, one. That's but, right. That's right. But, you know, looking at their scores, obviously, uh, Riley Perez, uh, Taylor Perez mm-hmm. is, is a yes. heck of a golfer. Uh, kind of like the uh, the girl's answer to Hudson mm-hmm. Carper, who mm-hmm. is a, an elite sophomore golfer at uh, Lubbock Cooper. Um, but Seminole, Seminole, they're really good their second time around, of course. Mm-hmm. And I know that they had familiarity with Shadow um, Shadow Hills um, mm-hmm. out, in, out in Lubbock because that was where their district championship had been played. Mm-hmm. That's where an invitational had been hosted. Some practices, too. Got started. Yeah. Yeah. But what would impress me about them as a team was just how they could shave strokes off it the second time around. You know, mm-hmm. you just get out there, oh, yeah, I remember – I uh, messed up this, so I'm going to attempt it this way. I'm going to play it more conservatively on this one. Or even I'm going to play it more aggressively because I regret that from the first day. And, of course, Seminole, uh, more of a team uh, team play there, although that's technically what you do with most golf. But I think uh, when you kind of look at Mitch Shane and what he's been able to do with the mm-hmm. maidens there, I, I mean, you bring back basically everyone from last year, so they have that experience. Anything you saw from them that you kind of liked? I know one of the things that they did kind of like what Lubbock Cooper did that second time around that they were there on the course, they were able to find some of the mistakes they did, found found the greens, found the fairways, didn't make some of the putts, but they were at least putting themselves in good position to get some birdies and, and not bogeys. And that's really the name of the game. You know, we're, we're sitting here recording on a Tuesday night. Golf uh, for the boys just ended a couple of hours ago. Yep. And Lubbock Cooper – came into round two, ranked eighth, uh, and then they added 14 strokes to their score yeah, today. It's tough. Uh, and, and that's really what, what makes or breaks you as far as where you're going to face. I mean, you need a great start, obviously, in the state championships, mm-hmm. but what will send you into third or the upper half of the 12-team field is a great day two. And uh, we've seen that time and time again from regional expecting to see it again on the girls' side at the state championships. And not only that, but I know one thing that Mitch Shane has always said is you can't necessarily win on day one, but you can certainly lose on day one. And that's one thing that he's always preached to his girls is make sure you just play solid golf. Don't play too aggressive because you don't want to obviously put yourself in a bad position. But in that second day, that's when you can kind of see, okay, we're either up so many strokes or we're down so many strokes and that's when you know that you have to kind of take your chance on a course that you've already seen and you kind of know okay if i'm in this position i can take a chance or if i'm here maybe i'll be a little bit more conservative 
And while we're balancing all the coverage plans for this week, we're also getting ready for the Lone Star Varsity uh, High School Sports Awards banquet. Ah, yes, the old banquet. Yeah, that's driving gonna be, around. <laughs> that's going to be at the Lubbock Civic Center. We're really excited about it. Hope as many athletes uh, as possible can join us. I think right now we're at 411, 411 invited. Uh, should be a really good time and obviously features Danny and Mandola, all the awards winners, and there are more than 20 of them. We'll get some quality one-on-one time with Amendola, who is now a receiver with the Miami Dolphins after a uh, breakout beginning to his career with the New England Patriots. Playoff Danny, Super Bowl Danny. Not only that, but then, of course, it'll be on May the 30th. I want to say the festivities start around 530 or so, so if you want to get there a little bit early, you can kind of check it all out. We're hoping it's going to be a fun time for everyone. Certainly, it's uh, something that we feel is deserved for all of these athletes. Is not only we try to... Uh, just kind of mention some of the accolades as they do with our Lone Star Varsity Super Teams, but this is just another way to show, hey, there's some really good things going on here around Lubbock, and here's uh, something to kind of at least say, you are appreciated, you've done some good work, and we'll see you next year and all those other things. And this will kill me if I didn't say it. It was Robert Marshall of Olton. I finally remembered his name. All right. Yeah, so, but, yeah, certainly uh, that's definitely a fun thing to do with the Lone Star Varsity Banquet. Anything else you kind of wanted to mention? I know this was a little bit quick, and, and I, I don't remember if you guys kind of mentioned track the last time. Was there anything uh, specific you wanted to yeah, we could take like away from track. track? I mean, obviously, Braylon Dollar wins discus. That That's always a fun story because – and I'm, I, it's kind of been beaten to death now, but she's yeah. a West Texas A&M basketball signee. She's pretty good. Might be able to pick her up on the track team without having to burn a scholarship because, of course – Women's basketball is a full-ride scholarship sport. Mm-hmm. Track is an equivalency. Track doesn't have to burn a scholarship to get her. Stephen Quintanilla uh, just continues to outdo himself. He wins two gold medals uh, in Austin. He won the 3200 and then won the 800, which are really different races when you think about it. I mean, both are quote-unquote distance running, mm-hmm. but one is kind of a mix between a sprint and a jog, and the other one is all about discipline and breathing, and, and he mastered both of them. That wasn't really a surprise, though, because he had won, well, he's won back-to-back yeah. state championships in cross-country dating back to his sophomore year. So we're really excited to see what he does um, next season. Also excited to see what he does on the football field and on the basketball court, because unlike a lot of these runners, he's just kind of all over the place. And uh, that, that's what impresses me the most about Quintanilla. Um, Every sport that he plays requires a little bit different from you, a mm-hmm. little something different from you. But then, and, when and you, but then when you mix them all up, it makes you into a very good athlete in a certain sport that you are focusing in, though. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, obviously, uh, Bryce Spencer wins discus for sundown. Yep. So mm-hmm. between the two of them, they only sent two guys down there. They put up a 30 of a possible 30 points, finished fifth. That was pretty impressive. And then Caitlin Clardy, we've talked about her on this podcast yep. before. Uh, earned a, a point at least in all of her five events that gave Anton 28.5 points and she was the only Anton representative there and you look at the score sheet which only notes which schools put up points mm-hmm. she beat more than 49 of the 1a schools that had someone else at the competition nice little feather in the cap there for little clarity right there not only that but here's the other thing she comes back next year too yep yeah, and uh, I mean, uh, a special hurdler. Uh, she's going to try to take her second place finishes in both the 100 uh, and the uh, 300 and turn those into wins her senior year. And I think if I did the math correctly on that, that would have put Annan on the podium if she was able to do that this year. 
that would have been something. And I, I want to say, I can't remember the last time it happened, but I just remember this stat because I was in San Angelo. Again, it always goes back to San Angelo. There was a girl from Rochelle. I think it was Kendra Walls. I believe she is the last 1A athlete to ever win a state title as a team, although she was by herself. Now, again, I'm just basing that off the top of my head. I'm old, so you never know. Maybe I can't remember it or maybe something else happened, but that was the last time I remember something like that special happened. But certainly something she could do she, if she's able to kind of improve her times and kind of do some other things. And then as we're at the 24-minute mark right now, let's just tr- – uh, did you all talk about uh, boys' soccer the last time you guys did the podcast? Yes, we did. Broke down. Okay, yeah, fantastic. Well, that, that came out really well. Apologize to – Coach Smith, uh, that was my fault. Like I said, we put a correction in the paper. Apologize, but everything else looks slick as it always has. And we appreciate all the soccer players. They did all their work, and certainly Braxton Thorne. That was uh, kind of almost a uh, lifetime achievement award. He's just been so good the last three years, but there have just been other guys that just really pushed and made it really good. But certainly friendship uh, made a big, big push thanks to his uh, net net minding for the old Tigers. But anything else you wanted to mention, man? I know we're trying to keep this under 30 minutes just to hopefully make it a little bit shorter so people can maybe listen to it on the on the old uh, gym, gym routine or something like that, or just if they're at the old uh, house just kind of sitting around, just hanging out. Nope, just send all hate mail to uh, csilva at lubbockonline.com. You are the man. Sports at Go San Angelo. Oh, I was almost going to mess that up. Sports at <laughs> LubbockOnline.com. So you're catching me. I'm a little bit tired right now, but yes, if you have any uh, stuff like that, sports at LubbockOnline.com. If you have any questions about the Lone Star Varsity uh, banquet that's going to be on May the 30th at around 530, don't forget to send all your questions to sports at LubbockOnline.com. We'll get any questions you have answered. We're definitely trying to make that push uh, to the finish line for that. That should be so much fun. It's just been a uh, a big uh, pain, but certainly we're looking forward to just, uh, like I said, just honoring all the honorees with all their accolades and everything else like that. And hopefully uh, having a chance to listen to Danny Amendola, maybe chat with him or do anything like that. Hopefully that is a, a little bit of a, a thank you to some of the athletes that have really, they don't necessarily have to talk to us after a game, especially after a loss or after a win. And we appreciate it all the time. Absolutely. So up next for this podcast, we'll be recapping the uh Obviously, the uh, state tennis championships, mm-hmm. girls golf, and some really, really deep baseball and softball playoff action. And maybe we'll find out where you uh, ate in Seattle when you go out there. <laughs> Probably like uh, Taco Bell. No. All right, guys. Really appreciate you listening in, and we'll see you again next week.